you are listening to More Than Meets the Eye. Uh, just Emma here today to introduce another guest episode for you guys. Hope you are enjoying our guest episodes. Um, we're having a lot of fun with them. So if you don't know More Than Meets the Eye in general, probably not a great starter episode, but that's okay. Um, we usually talk about aesthetics. We like to get into aesthetics break them down, um, talk about what goes into them, you know, anything from the clothes you wear to the music you listen to in our guest episodes, which like I said, this is the the third guest episode that we've done so far. We have been talking to local artists, artists that we know, discussing their aesthetics and their personal aesthetics and their uh, professional aesthetics. um, And we learn about how they view aesthetics themselves and how they use them to build their artistic medium. This week, we're interviewing Stefano, who is a portrait artist um, from Long Island, New York, from Stony Brook. Both Antonella and I actually personally know Stefano from, uh, I think, going back to junior high school. So pretty far back, which is cool. In recent years, Stefano has just been popping off, honestly, on his Instagram. Um, I believe it's just Stefano Curdy. Uh, we'll put the info in the podcast bio. He did a really cool uh, copy of a painting at the Morgan Library. Just does really cool stuff in general. He also does a lot with architecture. But yeah, that's Stefano. Definitely go check out his work. Uh, keep up with him. He does really beautiful portraits and it's just a fun guy in general, as you'll find out. So let's go talk to Stefano. All right. Hello, Stefano. Hey, Stefano. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good, how are you? Oh, you beat us to it. <laughs> doing well. Just relaxing. All right, well, you're not going to relax much longer because we're going to hit you with our very first question, which is, are, are you interested in aesthetics? Absolutely. It's my job. All right. How like like how are they important to you? So they're your job. So like, what part of your job? Well, as a portrait painter and as in general as an artist, um, I mean aesthetics is just the sort of I guess the theory of how things look and how to make them look amazing, right? And so when I think about aesthetics in my practice, I don't really I never really call it aesthetics because I just talk about composition and and form and shape and stuff, but um, it sort of is, is, I mean, everywhere for me. I mean, if I have a painting that isn't aesthetic, it's a painting that's ugly. Um, <laughs> so I try my best to make, um, paintings that are aesthetically pleasing, that are meaningful, but they're not sort of, if you look at them, you get, I guess, sort of discouraged from looking at them. You want to be encouraged to look at them longer rather than less. So the more aesthetic they are, the more attention they'll get and the longer they'll be looked at. Outside of, so you obviously you have like your own aesthetic for your art, your visual work. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it has any connection to your personal style or just like your everyday life outside of painting? Is there any kind of overlap? Do they influence one another at all? Um, uh, I like to wear a lot of sort of suits and different sort of clothing that, um, sort of that I've always been that way. I have like a bunch of suits from when I was like five years old 
that I made my parents buy me. I remember certain, I remember, like, some days in, like, middle school, you would, like, have a suit on. Yeah, and then I'd wear, like, the worst clothing ever after that. Uh, But, (laughs) so, it definitely does uh, inform, like, my day-to-day life, and and they bleed into each other, so I have, like, a very much uh, love of of sort of formal clothing. Uh, So, I think, you know, it influences my art because I love formal clothing in my, my paintings. It influences my life because I, I order suits and I get vintage clothing and I'm always interested in dressing up and having fun with that. So I think it it uh, definitely in, in, in sort of all facets of my life it influences me. It influences me in how I decorate. Um, you know, everything really uh, in the end kind of stems from sort of an old soul fashion thing that I have going just wanted to add in that from like doing portrait sitting for you as well like I know uh we had like a pretty lengthy conversation about like what I was gonna wear and I also brought options which I know is partially was partially me but I also like (laughs) I've always kind of picked up on like in your art you like your subjects to be wearing a particular aesthetic almost um yeah so I kind of wanted to like adhere to that which yeah it's just interesting that you connect those yeah absolutely I mean clothing I mean isn't there a quote clothing makes the man or it makes anybody really um although I guess if you're only clothing you could kind of get rid of the person uh and that's not great but um in a lot of ways (laughs) uh clothing is like a reflection of of sort of what you think of yourself and what you think of, you know, the world around you. And what you put on is the way you want to be represented. Uh, so, I mean, anytime you put something on, I mean, sometimes you'll just throw something on. But if you were going out to some place and you put on a piece of clothing that you feel like makes you feel good or makes you feel the way you want to be seen, then it, it kind of does sort of, it means a lot. And, and I think that I can't emphasize that enough. It means so much to purposefully put on clothing. And it means so much to purposefully paint a garment, too. Like, that's going to last forever in a painting. So you do kind of have to obviously think about what kind of garments, what the whole thing, because that's going to be there for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, I always get nervous because sometimes I'll make paintings of, uh, like clothing items and I'm like is this going to stand the test of time is this going to look dated um, it's kind of hard to tell what will and what will not look dated fashion wise I mean there's I mean if you look at all those paintings from the 20th century they all fashion wise yes they look dated but some of them are like eternally beautiful and some of them are like oh this is really a product of the fashion of the time right so I feel like you kind of did it already, but um, if you could kind of sum up your aesthetic, whether this is like the personal or the artistic, which kind of go hand in hand, um, what, like give us that sentence that you would do, your, your you know, sure. your log line for your aesthetic. I enjoy 1920s fashion okay. uh, and aesthetics, and I enjoy colored rooms and lush furniture, and I like shiny things. And I think that anything that makes someone sparkle and shine and 
feel comfortable is something that's beautiful as well. I like that you included decor as well, because that's also a really important aesthetic. And that makes sense for you because you're also painting like interiors and stuff too. Um, but is there any, so you said 1920s, like, do you pull from any specific like cores or... <laughs> I don't know, cores. get like a specific... Uh, like, I know what you mean, cores, <laughs> you know cottage I mean. core, things like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I actually know um, what my core would be. I would say it's, what would you call it? Step yeah, or Edwardian <laughs> core. I don't know. Yeah, Victorian. Yeah, but, yeah I feel like you're, you, you're a little bit more glamorous than Edwardian. I always think of like um, the flu... The Spanish influenza, like in a garden. That's what I think of, like Edwardian. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I guess you're right. It is a little bit sickly, but <laughs> thinking maybe of the the less sickly Edwardian, um, maybe the Italian era in Edward, like sort of like 1920s in Italy, maybe. Yeah. I don't really know the fashion in Italy in 1920, but maybe I'm there. Um, okay, so when you think of other artists or other people um, who have aesthetics that influence you, who do you think of? I think of probably, I mean, favorite painters. It always goes back to art. Um, Ong, Sargent, Boldini, um, Matisse, and maybe some Klimt. Uh, and, and also, I mean, outside of that realm, I mean, I have to think about architecture, too. But I don't know the architect who did the Chrysler buildings, but Art Deco, uh, the people that um, sort of spearheaded Art Deco definitely influenced me. Television stars, like I loved Gregory Peck uh, and, and sort of like Clint Eastwood when he was in Good, Bad and the Ugly. Um, sort of, I, I like the Western aesthetic a lot too, so that is sort of where I draw a lot of influence from as well, even though it never shows up because it's so hard to figure out where that would ever be implemented. <laughs> yeah, we talked about Western with our last guest, which was funny. Um, I like that it keeps coming up. Um, it's, a, it's a big thing. Yeah, William Van Allen, by the way, is the architect of the Chrysler Building. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I love yeah. him. He's amazing. Okay, um, okay this, this is kind of shifting gears a little bit, but um, how much of your, do you feel like your aesthetic is conscious choices, like when you're painting and stuff or and how much is it you know kind of something that you're already familiar with and is more experimental or more unconscious process I feel like a lot of times it's pretty easy to go to autopilot and do the unconscious thing so I think probably most of it is unconscious because it's it's all learned skill and that just like is so ingrained my mind kind of when I'm doing my work is is trained towards a certain goal and I have to if I if most of it was conscious I would go insane um I think like all of us when we do certain tasks that we're we're experienced with you have so many subconscious things that you're doing that if you wouldn't have them you would just you'd be juggling a million different things but I think the most important things to be conscious of are are the things that are uh that you want to sort of alter or make a distinctions between your previous work and your new work. And I think that's where being conscious really comes in. Uh, things like if you want to differentiate one piece of art from another by making a serious shift 
in you know the way you paint it in terms of the thickness of the paint or something or the way that you're uh, realizing that you didn't like the way you applied something before and now you've sort of made a conscious effort to change that you know out of all the things that you do really the most profound ones are the things that you pull out from the sub or the unconscious and make conscious and then make efforts to change that because now you are are sort of making a distinction between what you want and what you don't want which was originally maybe not thought about and now you're bringing it to light that makes a lot of sense that was great yeah <laughs> yeah that was a great like little quote yeah it, maybe it makes no sense no it, it really does i mean yeah i agree that you're dealing with you're juggling a lot you would go insane if you were thinking about every little like dip the brush blend the paint yeah, yeah so but even the the decisions through throughout the painting but it's interesting because when i sat for you um you also made like you made a lot of like changes and pivots too so <laughs> yeah that kind of came up throughout the the process of making it wasn't the end it wasn't a part of like the end vision i guess too yeah I mean, it's it's such a layered process that, and I mean, back then I think you you when I did your portrait, I think it was the second one I did from life or the first, um, and Emma's I think was like the it has to be somewhere in the hundreds or something. It was the chest skinny pig. <laughs> you did so well. You sat so patiently or stood, uh, which is even worse. Stood, yes. Um, but uh, the decision making process back then um, was less informed and also maybe that's why it takes more time is the more informed you are the more you know how to sort of shortcut things uh not in a bad way but you things that used to be take more brain power take less and now you can focus on the things that when you make a decision really matter it's instead like something more broad and more personality driven like how do i make this person's eyes sort of sparkle like they do in real life i think that's like a great way to explain it especially for me as like a non-painter like i don't you don't really know how like all the intricacies of it work but you're not only like am i following what you're talking about you're also giving like examples that i'm like oh yeah i could see like caring about the thickness of the paint which is something you would have never have like thought of outside of being a painter but when you said that i was like that totally makes sense yeah i mean 99% 99% of what I do is worry about the thickness of the paint. It's it's such a... Because I don't paint thin. So it's like if you have an in-between, it's not really enough. It's either it's kind of perfectly smooth or each mark really means something. Gotcha. You know, as I started to get more comfortable with oil paint and I started to study more painters, I noticed what I liked in the texture of the paint and what made me feel like there was... A, a strong conscious decision being made each time. All right, so you do portrait painting. You've also done like a bit of architectural stuff, correct? Um, is there any kind of mm-hmm. art that you haven't done yet that you want to kind of incorporate into your process that you want to explore? I mean, I've done it before, but I was so bad at it. Woodblock printing. I have a couple of woodblocks that I keep around that I collect. I spent, you know, whatever I had to just acquire, like, ancient wood blocks every so often. And I tried to do it once and it's or twice, and it's so difficult that I would really love to make 
um, like an ukiyo-e print uh, because they're so beautiful and so simple. Um, I've done it before though, so I'm trying to think of something, just it, not well. I'm trying to think of something I really haven't done. Sculptural. No. Uh, well, sculpture, yeah, that's right, actually. Yeah, that's actually something I really should deal with. <laughs> Would you do, like, port, like, you know, human sculptures, like, bringing it to the 3D realm? Uh, possibly. I actually had the idea to um, make a sculpture in order to do a painting from life of the sculpture. Um, I was supposed to make, like, a, a moon mask or, like, a sun mask or something, and, and I could put that, um, like, sort of in conjunction with, like, a robe or something and have, like, a moon human or a sun human and then do, like, a pastel, like, a large full-height pastel portrait of that creation. So it's sort of like making a model for it. Um, but I, I think it would be nice to actually make pottery or something, um, something that's utilitarian in nature because my art isn't... It's, it's not utilitarian. It has no real purpose or use beyond just it's very existing. it's very aesthetic yeah well, yeah it's it but it it's not it doesn't help anybody with anything <laughs> could boost a mood you don't know that like. well yeah 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 but like tangible like if i have a pot sure. i can cook something yeah. in it you can't cook anything on my paintings right. i mean you could try but um <laughs> i don't think it would go well <laughs> yeah absolutely antonella i think i would probably be mistaken if I said that I would never try to do sculpture. I would love to see it. I love asking this question because I feel like artists, everyone has like their own kind of rituals or things they do to get in their mode of creating. Because I think yeah. you kind of have to get to a mindset where you're just like freely, you know, creating and, and thinking. Um, so do you have any kind of like rituals that help you get into that unconscious mode? For me, a ritual that I have to get into the mode of artistic creation, there's a couple of routes, actually. One is to put on uh, certain TV shows that, or, or I guess films that remind me of why I started creating. Things that are really important to me or excite me. Um, they get me into the creating mood and I'm like, oh, I have to create something because if I don't create, then I won't make something like this that I can enjoy. Or... Uh, I'll go into scheduling frenzy, and that'll definitely make me go into an artistic mood. Because I'll just, if I don't want to create, um, I'll just like, I'm like, I have to. It's important for me to do it. And so I just schedule things for me to do artistically. Um, like, would you want to sit? Da 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 da. Um, and make sure I have a full, full schedule. And then all of a sudden, I have to do it. And now I'm motivated because I've scheduled with real humans and <laughs> I can't, I can't undo that. Um, so it's, um, I guess it, maybe it's that part of it's less motivation and more coercion. So I think looking at things I love artistically, theatrically, like listening to opera or something, or, you know, looking at one of my favorite graphic novels can immediately put me in a mood where I want to create Although I guess it's not really um, a consistent ritual. I'm not the most consistent person. That's okay. It can be more just like any any little things that help jog the, get the muscle 
working and going. Right. Shopping? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I think so. Um, I get the uh, the first one, the inspiration one. I definitely am similar in that, like, if I watch something I like, I'm like, God damn it. Like, now I just want to make something. I don't yeah. get the coercion one, though. I got to say, like, I've tried it. I've tried to be like, okay, you're just going to sit down and you're going to write, like, right now. And they're like, depends on what's going on. Like, sometimes it can happen and sometimes I'm just like nah it's not happening today so and yeah. i think that's interesting that you can do that for yourself it's good so do you have um any parts of your aesthetics that go kind of beyond just like a uh, superficial like a visual meaning so like do you tend to add in any like political or emotional meaning political not so much especially right now because there's so much politics just in general in my life and in the world that um, I think my art is one place where I can sort of uh, escape that a little bit. Um, not that it's I have any sort of difficulty with it, but um, it's just a place where that's it's a little bit more pure and and sort of like dreamlike. Emotionally, however, I try to think and I hope that emotionally the paintings, because of my enjoyment of their aesthetic value. They're also given an emotional value as well, because I personally tie a lot of value in with seeing something beautiful. I think it's sort of the idea of being sublime, um, where there is that sort of emotional grandeur of seeing something so stunning or so complete in your mind that you are sort of overwhelmed with emotion, even if it's dread. Um, like looking at a huge ocean and just feeling like its immensity and just sort of sort of fading you know, I guess fading out in a way because it's so large. In that sense, I think that sort of emotional direction is in uh, my work. The sense of beauty, being connected with, I guess it doesn't last forever. And so a lot of the paintings and portraits that I make are sort of vanitas or like a memento mori in a way. Um, I mean, a lot of portraits are anyway. When I do portraits, I actually, you know, sometimes I'll come in with an impression of people and that sort of ranges based on my emotional experience with them. You know, people that I don't know a lot, sometimes I'll paint. People that I do know very well, I'll paint. And that sort of affects how I'm emotionally keyed into what they're feeling. And the thing about painting from life is that I am always in dialogue with these people that I'm painting. They're always there and present. And so that makes it so that detecting emotions goes a long way in influencing the portrait and the way they feel and also the way I feel about the way they feel or what I can perceive that they feel goes into the emotional landscape of, of the portrait. Yeah, I, I think I just read your Instagram where you were talking about how you're kind of, you're painting these people like as they are, but you're also, it also is like coming out with your touch, like how you view them specifically and you know how they view themselves and that and that dialogue is, is really interesting um and you paint a lot of artists too so it's actually really cool to have that element that layer to it as well um and these could be artists with like totally different aesthetics and just ways yeah. of painting which has got to be really interesting um to work with them too it is Artists are interesting to paint because they have a lot of 
ideas about their own art and about what your art might be. And they're always, sometimes you'll get artists that are very happy to see someone else's image of them. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are curious as to see what someone thinks they look like without a camera, because uh, cameras are so misleading. But a lot of artists also have a competition with other artists, and so sometimes you'll get like a, hmm. It's like, did you do this right? Uh, which is fun. And a lot of times my f artists' friends will do that. People I know less well. Actually, that's actually a general trend with people I know better are more likely to criticize my work <laughs> when I do it wrong or, or whatever they see. <laughs> um, and it, it, it ranges to a very high high with family and a very low low with strangers. Um, and the less, uh, I mean, there's always outliers, but. That's fascinating, but I can like totally see that because I think it's like that might, part of that might be like, oh my gosh, I've known you my whole life and this is how you see me. Like, it might be something like that, you know? Or like, as you were talking about this too, like, I feel like it was, it was making me think about like when you're an artist too, or when even just like a person who like is into, into aesthetics. Cause like, again, I'm not a painter, but like, I like aesthetics and like, that's important to me. And I think like, if you're happy where like where you are and that like aesthetic matters to probably like a bunch of like different parts of you, like your mental health, your emotional health, whatever. Um, like I feel like, I don't know, with the, what I'm trying to say is like in the past I've had people do like doodles or drawings of me and like I've been like, what? That uh, That's not how I see myself. But I feel like in recent years I've been more like comfortable in like achieving who I feel like so that when like when I set for you or like I had a friend, um, you both know Claire Miller, like drew a little doodle of me the other day, like both of those I really liked because I felt like that is how I see myself, which was kind of like funny because I feel like in the past I've struggled with that and had that kind of like, I don't think that's what I look like, but it's, it's interesting both that like, it could be, it could have to do with you, but it also could have to do with how this person like sees themselves, you know? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because it, it almost sounds like the, maybe the more comfortable or the more clear in the way you identify as a human, maybe the broader the range of things that you'll be like, I'm okay with this. Sure, you know? yeah. Um, sure. When someone serves up uh, something, if it's, you know, terrible, uh, you know, some people don't really have any tolerance for that. Um, but I think that maybe if someone is more shaky with the way they look or feel... I mean, I've been painted before and drawn before and, and every so often it'll strike my ego a little bit in a paint place. Uh, it's like, oh, I really look like that. Um, but a lot of the times it's done by people that don't really draw or, or, or don't do, you know, what I do on a daily basis. And so I don't really take it personally, but you know, sometimes it confirms insecurities and sometimes it gets rid of them. And I think that if a painting or a drawing of somebody confirms an insecurity or, or reinforces it, um, I think it can definitely be something that causes a little bit of an identity problem, which is hard to sort of dance around, which is why some of the very great portrait artists of the past glamorized people very, very heavily. 
right? There is that, like, level of responsibility to make people also, like, it's your work, but you also have a very specific audience that you kind of have, that you're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully you're you're not like a court painter. You can, you have more freedom. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get executed if people don't like your, your work. I hope so. not. Uh, not yet. Hasn't been a problem. No, though. not yet. I haven't ran <laughs> into yet. anything like that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even, you know, in the sense that I, I do it all the time. If I think that there's something that someone might not like about, like, the particular image that I'm making of them, I might alter it slightly. It's something that I think you have to read a person to be a good portrait artist. You have to be able to read what they think about themselves and also to be able to know what they're going to want altered or what they might fear about themselves. Um, which sounds sinister, but it's, it's pretty innocent because what, you know, what I'm trying to say is that I, we have to make people look the way they want to feel and want to look. And they want to look their best always, and it's not always possible. So you try to make the best version of anybody that you paint. I'm actually doing a portrait of um, two young girls, 12 and 13. Their mother commissioned it. Um, and I have to be very uh, judicious with the way I paint it. They're still in like sort of an awkward phase where they, you know, they don't have their own super strong identity or style. I know what 12 or 13 I would have been perhaps the worst portrait ever. <laughs> would not have liked that. <laughs> yeah, but they're sweet and they have a personality that's interesting. They're funny. They make me laugh whenever I'm painting them. They're wild. And I have to pull that out of it beyond everything that I'm seeing. And I think, and one of the most important things that sort of was revealed to me by two of my professors, one who's a, I mean, both of them are very successful artists, but one of them was talking to me about sort of really seeing people and that the great portrait artists that I admired when they were painting, they understood that every single portrait, every single feature on a person is important and that just the act of paying attention to somebody, the act of really looking at somebody as if you're seeing a human for the first time and respecting that, like the minute individuality of them is sometimes enough to do have to, not have to do any flattery. And so that was something that stuck with me, is that if you really care, if you really look at somebody's crooked nose or their um, whatever it is, but the act of noticing that and the act of replicating it carefully and lovingly is the act of flattery. It isn't the alteration of it, but the noticing of it. Yeah, I, I feel like that makes sense, because, like, if... I don't know, like, if there was some, like, if I had a jaw that was off, like, my nose was crooked or something, if someone, like, didn't paint my nose like that, I would be, like, you know, it's almost worse. It's almost, like, what, why? Like, is there why something wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is funny. So, if you could collaborate with anyone in any shape or form, who and why? Pierce Brosnan. Any, any, oh, sorry. Pierce Brosnan. Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. He'd sit for a portrait. <laughs> Honestly, that would be a fire portrait. Like so handsome. I, yeah, I would love that portrait. What, how would you dress him up? Like he'd be in his suit. He'd be in his James Bond suit. Nice. Maybe with a little okay. golden gun or something. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. It's like because I feel like a lot of times when we talk about like collaborating, it's like 
it's like as a portrait artist you're always collaborating so yeah. it's kind of like you know like you don't you're not ever not collaborating so that's really like an interesting thought that like you would just draw you would just paint a portrait of somebody and like that would be your collaboration um, yeah I, I mean I, I've thought about it a lot too <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have an answer ready yeah <laughs> um so do you know how like when you like go to a fancy wine place they have some wine and like they're like oh here like have this specific gouda cheese with your wine and like it'll be like perfect like that combination is like amazing if you had to like pair something with your portraits with your art what would you pair with your art like the cheese that would go with your art good interior design okay a nice room like specifically in the Chrysler building or like anywhere? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, why not? I mean, I say so, or maybe a brownstone or something. But I mean, if you've okay. ever seen the Peacock Room by Whistler, I'm thinking something like that. It's, it's insane. I, I think the guy got pissed off at him because Whistler just decided to do it. Um, like absolutely wild, but the room is, is one of the better things that came out of American Japanism, for sure. Oh yeah, Ooh. oh yeah, it's amazing. Very cool. Very Art Nouveau too. Uh, what form of media do you draw the most inspiration from, and what's what's the easiest for you to be inspired by? Um, I think when I was younger, it would probably have been TV shows. I watched a lot of anime when I was younger. I wanted to be a graphic novelist very badly. Um, media, I guess, skipping the obvious painting, one. Uh, I would probably say when I'm working, I think music really pushes me. Um, I like Tchaikovsky a lot, and I think he he makes me feel very good when I do my art. So I would have to say him. He's very um, expressive, and I think like you know when he really hits those romantic peaks in his music, it's like I can see that helping with painting in particular because like. I feel like the act of painting is very like slow and like you're building up to something uh, which I can see like something having like Tchaikovsky who like goes through a lot of like high points and low points is like that can make it more entertaining I feel like uh, and more like meaningful almost I guess yeah he's an accompaniment and he does a wonderful job at it yeah um, yeah you know what I'm going to Antonella um, <laughs> so this is the classic question for me but um, oh, I also wanted to say before I go into this question, um, I just think it's funny because I like that you're mentioning anime and you've also mentioned opera because, like, it's probably just because we've both known you since, like, middle school, but, like, those are, like, two of the big things that I associate. When I'm, like, Stefano, I think, like, this very, like, somehow, like, interesting, but it, it works pairing of anime and opera and, like... <laughs> I think that's great. Like, like it, it is a very unique thing, but I can see how they overlap, and I can see, like, you know, storytelling is very important to both of them, so I can, like, see where that comes along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Less anime nowadays, for sure. Right. Uh, back in high school, it was certainly not less, <laughs> but more. Uh, more opera. I don't think I even knew opera in high school, I have to say. Right. Um, I don't think I'd seen a single one. But college, yeah. Um, it's funny. It's over the years, but it, yeah, it's yeah. a combination, yeah. It's, they've all informed me 
So I can't discard yeah. one or the other. Right. So, going back to the question, uh, what kind of movies do you gravitate towards? Um, oh. And, like, you think there's an aesthetic that goes, like, kind of... I think so. ...along with the movies you like? Yeah? I like slow movies. I like westerns. I, one of my favorite movies is No Country for Old Men. Uh, I also really... I, I was watching There Will Be Blood, and if I had finished it, it probably would have been my, one of my favorites. Uh, I really, really like... I mean, I like Stalker, Tarkovsky's Stalker. I like those weird... Uh, I love Cinema Paradiso. Um, okay. Slow that movies that... Um, sometimes are slice of lives, but also ones that make me feel... Make me feel something. I don't really like entertaining movies uh, in the sense that it's like action. Unless it's, it's like a Western, which, but, um, I like something that makes me feel sometimes maybe sad or, or, or kind of like forlorn and lost. Um, and that has like a really great climactic hook. Um, okay. Which mythical creature do you identify with the most? It's our favorite question. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like usually the answer does relate to your aesthetic as a person, like, typically. Yeah. Like, I don't know, are you, like, a vampire? <laughs> oh, I, I didn't think about it. I was just thinking about, like, like a unicorn or something. Uh, yeah, you can uh, be. That works. That don't works. let me label you. Yeah. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a unicorn. Uh, I was just thinking, I, I, my mind was limited. When you mentioned vampire, I was like, oh, yeah, it could be anything. I feel like. It could be a Godzilla, like, it could be literally anything. Yeah, I'm thinking being a gargoyle, I feel. Yeah. I, I can totally see, see that. Yeah. Alright, this is actually, this might be my favorite question um, because whenever this happens to me, I'm like, oh, if I got asked this question, I would have an answer right now. But, like, what is a random thing that you've been obsessed with lately? Um, I want to say Minecraft, but that's just something that has come back from when I was way younger. So I mean, it, it's not like a random thing. It's like a, it's got a long history in my life. Maybe Mario Kart. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I've been trying to relax and distress by uh, playing video games again. So I think I think if I a random thing would probably be that or um, trying to find certain furniture items on the internet and searching for suits <laughs> on Etsy. Um, which okay. is really ramped up in specifically, I guess, is, which is where the random part comes in. Like a specific vendor from like the 1920s, uh, Palm Beach suits that are white and high waisted. It was just like it, it got really specific and really random at a certain point, and it's been so hard to find them. Um, so I think that's now maybe my obsession. You're speaking to the soul of 15 year old Emma, so I totally get it. <laughs> that I used to spend all my free time on. Etsy, so yeah, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Um. Final question, right? Yeah. Um. So, do you have any thoughts you want to leave for listeners that want to become an artist or you know, start creating or are artists already? Oh, final thoughts for an artist. I don't have. I'm not even at my final point in life. So. Um, <laughs> Just, I have, to, just today. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm thinking of something maybe profound, but I think because it's, I'm thinking that it should be profound, it's not going to be. Uh, I prepare to hustle. 
prepare to make you know art and maybe people don't look at it for a while and also enjoy that you are making that art don't take for granted that you are making art because it's or you know don't take for granted that you have a creative soul because a lot of people don't and they kind of suffer because they don't a lot of people end up in places in life where they have a lot except for the ability to create and I think that's one of the major things that leaves people empty is not having a hobby or an expressive item um, to sort of unleash your mind with. I think that the most important thing that you could take away from whatever I'm saying is that because you are interested or able to create, you are already far ahead um, in life than most people, which is a great thing. Um, you know, everyone has their thing, but there are a lot of people that end up never tapping into it, maybe because people discourage them or because they don't think they're good enough at it, but whatever enriches your soul, the world will be better for it. I think that was very profound stuff, yeah. Good job. Good. You did it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Stefano. We Thank really you. enjoyed having you on. It's my I pleasure. Owe you, I owe you a, a sitting. Oh, I'm that's so true. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> uh, but now I really owe you. <laughs> we have to redo that painting. Yeah. It's time to do it well. Uh, thank you guys so much. It was so lovely to talk to you, and thank you to all your viewers. More than meets the eye, and uh, it was a pleasure. All right. Bye. Take care. Once again, that was uh, us talking to Stefano. Thank you so much to Stefano for. Uh, being interviewed by us. We appreciate him taking out his time for us. Also, thank you to Phineas O'Brien for the use of our theme song. Um, we love our theme song. Um, and thank you to you, the listeners, for, you know, keeping up with us. Hope you enjoy, and once again, please go check out Stefano. This stuff is really cool. Alright, bye-bye.